0: You know, this Christian life, this life for God, it's, it's exhilarating. It is exhilarating and thrilling uh, and it's just, you know, always growing and changing and, and God just always has better things ahead for us, it seems like, you know. And uh, that's good on both sides because if you've been through some tough times or you're going through some tough times, you know that there's better days ahead. And if you're going through great times right now, then you get to know it gets even better from here, right? There's even better days ahead. And so we we thank God for that. And we thank him that as we come to know him and we form a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and, and we know that we've got our life in heaven and eternity with him, Uh, taken care of, then we go about the business of walking out the rest of our days here on this earth in, in fullness and in power and with purpose, knowing that each and every day God has a plan, he has a purpose, and he has something specific for us to do, a way for him to use us, and that there's never a day or never a time or a season where God doesn't intend to be a part of things, he doesn't intend to be involved in things, he doesn't intend to be, or he intends to be using us in our lives all the time. And as we do that, what we realize is that this life that we're living for God, as we continue to seek Him more and devote ourselves more and more to Him, that we continue to grow stronger in our faith. We continue to grow in our understanding of him to know more of his thoughts and know more more of his ways for our life and for the things that he has purposed for us. And that is a beautiful thing. If you're like me, you're going through every day just wanting more of God, wanting to know him more, wanting more of his promises to, to come to fruition in your life. And to just experience everything there is to experience every day as you move forward. And I think that that's an amazing thing. And what I learned years ago, whenever I first became a Christian, if we'll call it that, before when I first gave my life to God and I began walking with Him, I learned that, that I was kind of addicted to this idea of growing, you know, of, of, of growing stronger in my faith and knowing more of God and who he was and what he had for me. I just, there was always more and always more. There's, there still is. And, and as I began to, can, to pursue that and keep experiencing that, there were moments along the way where there were what I would call something like impasses, or roadblocks is probably a better word for that, where there were things, places that I came to in my life where there was something that was going on and something that was happening that seemed like it was keeping me from moving forward to that next level. Like, all of a sudden, I had kind of hit a ceiling and i was becoming more and more desperate to break through that thing to get back in the place where i was growing and moving forward and getting stronger in my faith and getting stronger in my knowledge of the lord and everything about him is it can anybody relate to that right you've been in places where it seems like you reach a season where it's just i don't say you're stuck but it's like there's something holding you back there's a roadblock and as we begin to pursue breaking through those things and moving forward and and we begin to see more of God's ways and his thoughts and his plans for us, the other thing that happens just by default of knowing God more and knowing his ways more, his thoughts more, is we also know what aren't his ways and aren't his thoughts and aren't the plans that he has for us. And those types of situations present a little bit more of a challenge to our faith in how we're going to respond to them. Because how many people know when God begins to reveal to you things in your life that are not his ways or not his thoughts or not his plans, that he wants to move out, he wants to purge, he wants to eliminate, how many people know that when that happens that we come to a place Where we have to have a response for that. We have to be able to respond to the things that God is showing us and revealing to us that are in our life that are not not a part of what He has for us and if He's going to continue to move us forward in this wonderful exhilarating life of growth and advancement that there are things along the way that we're going to see very clearly by conviction of the Holy Spirit have got to be done away with, have got to be laid down have got to be dealt with and moved on from in a way where they're no longer corrupting our flesh or holding us back from the things that God has for us. That happens, right? It does. And it happens to all of us. It happens to every single person that is in the family of God as they begin to walk their life out with him. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 8, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So basically what John is saying here in his epistle is he's saying look every one of us that have Christ living in us have the holy spirit living in us there is still to some degree a measure of sin in our in our flesh that if you are if you think that that's not the case which i would probably suppose there's not many people here that would not know that but if you think that that's not the case then you're deceived that's what he's saying that you there is a measure of sin that exists in all of us but he's also saying at the same time if you do sin the victory is the 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 wonderful news is is that we have an advocate with the father in heaven jesus christ who died for us so that when we repent of those sins That he is just and faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from that unrighteousness. To to sort of wash us clean of that and, and put us in a position of righteousness or right standing with him again. And I think that that is an absolutely wonderful, amazing thing. Because I am a sinner. I am a person, a man, that walks through this life and I am susceptible to the things in this earth that... Rule the, the Bible says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. There's an enemy out there. He's looking to devour you and he's looking to devour me. He's coming at us all the time with different assaults and different attacks to try to thwart us from the purposes and the plans that God has for our lives. That will never change from this day forward to the day that you leave this earth to go to be with Jesus in heaven. He's going to continue to do that because if he can't have your soul, if he can't have you in eternity in hell, then he's definitely going to want to try to keep you from all the great things that God has for you in this life here on earth and make sure you don't impact anybody else to see that they get saved and they get to go be a part of the kingdom of God too. He's definitely going to battle for your for your for for the purposes God has for you. So I'm, I'm susceptible to that. We're all susceptible to that we're also susceptible to this flesh that our spirit is a part of while we're on this earth this tent this mortal body the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 it says for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish so the the flesh that we that our spirit dwells in is susceptible to the corruption of this earth and, and is you know is tempted by things like lust or or you know uh, opportunities to be dishonest or all these different things because our flesh looks to please itself and and it doesn't. It doesn't see sin. Sin is a means to please the flesh, in the the way the flesh operates. So, because we our spirit dwells in this flesh and it dwells in this broken earth, there will always be a propensity on our part to sin. There always will be. But thank God, in His great and infinite wisdom. That he saw a way to make a provision that not only did Christ come and die for our sins so that we could be forgiven and go to be with him in heaven for eternity. But he also died to make sure that we would be cleansed from all unrighteousness and anything that would happen in this walk through this life that would defile us that we can go and we can have a response to turn to him at any moment, at any time and say, Lord, I repent of this thing that's going on. I, I'm, I'm sorry, God, because I know and I see that by your Holy Spirit convicting me and revealing this to me, I see that this has offended you or that this is this is against your ways or against your plans for my life. And because of that, God, I am truly sorry and I need you. I need you, God, to to help me move past this, and I ask you to just forgive me in Jesus' name. And at that moment, God is faithful and just to cleanse us from that unrighteousness and wash us clean of that thing and put us into a position of right standing with him so that we can walk forward in a new level of freedom and liberty that doesn't exist when we're in bondage or oppression by those sins that can get a hold of us and defile us, right? Right? A couple of years ago, this was about three or four years ago, I guess, I mentioned to you that early in my Christian walk, in those first few years, there were a couple of things that really, that they really just held me back. And I'm going to share those with you a little bit here in a minute, but I broke through those things, and I moved past those things, and continue to to be able to move forward in my walk with God after that and grow stronger in my faith and, you know, just continue to see more and more of God's plans for me come to pass. And about three or four years ago, we were on a little family vacation, and I was able to spend some extended time with the Lord, just reading the Bible and and just praying and, you know, sitting out there. It was a a cool morning, and, and God spoke to me very powerfully one day. He gave me a deep revelation out of the book of Joel. And it just was amazing the way this thing opened up and unfolded to me. And I began to see how this revelation that he was showing me was something that I had walked through in my own life and that I had experienced. And God began to give me specific clarity about that. And, you know, I was thankful and... I understood you know god brought me understanding and and i began to see that better for the things that i would deal with from that point on in my life and as i was praying to the whole to god about the holy spirit giving me a a message and a word for tonight god spoke to me very very clearly and he said you need to preach that message that i gave you that revelation from the book of joel a few years ago and i got i was excited i got to tell you because It's not necessarily like you wouldn't, the subject matter isn't exactly exciting you know when you're talking about sin and and all that I mean it's just not but for me personally this is probably one of the greatest revelations and most powerful things that God has ever done in me and through me and helping me to advance into the calling of, of what was on my life I mean I stand where I stand today because I broke through things in my life that threatened to hold me back that these truths that I'm about to talk to you on this evening were able to be applied and in faith I stood on these things and was able to Break through the, the, the roadblocks that the enemy had positioned in my life to hold me back and to keep me back from what God had for me. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Joel with me. And basically, just to give you a quick synopsis, uh, there's not a lot of information on Joel. In fact, there's a, lot of qu- there's a lot of uncertainty about even the time frame that this book was written in and when he actually lived. But it's certain that he was a prophet of God and that he had a message for the nation of Israel when they were in a place of sin where they had been walking away from God and not walking in his ways and his commands for an extended period of time. It's not really clear what the sin was that they were involved in, but nonetheless, Joel was called by God to go and deliver a message to the nation of Israel to bring them into a place of repentance for their sin so that God could bring them back into a place of restoration, of living under the blessing and the purposes that he had for them as a people. Much like many of the books with the prophets. But what God showed me is that in this book, there's a pattern here that is timeless. There is a pattern for which when we get involved in sin and we continue in sin, what can happen and what God can do to give us an opportunity to kind of turn back to him and basically this place where, where we have an opportunity to go in, in one of two directions, where we can choose to turn away from our sin and turn away from the things that God has is convicting us on and showing us that he needs, that we need to get rid of in our lives to move forward. Or we can continue to meddle in that thing and stay in that thing in such a way where it continues to defile us and corrupt us and just begin to totally thwart the things that God wants to do in and through our lives. So he began to show me this, this pattern of, of how this happens. And so the very first thing uh, that we see occurring is that God begins to speak to them about their sin. He begins to show them the error in their ways by, by sending his prophet Joel to talk to them and, and basically plead with them that they need to, to, to turn away from what they're, what they're involved in. And, um, and that they would avoid the destruction that would inevitably come from their sin. So when we walk through this earth and we're pursuing God and his plans for us, there are going to be times and moments when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth who guides us in all truth, John 16, is gonna show us that he's gonna reveal things to us That God wants to show us about our life and things that are a part of line up with the truths in scripture and show us that these are things that need to be done away with in our life or that these are things that we're we're not living in alignment with the ways that God wants us to live. So in these times, God would use his prophets to go and speak to people and, and speak to the nations to show them that. Today, because you and I live with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth living on the inside of us, that Spirit speaks to us and convicts us about the things that we are involved in or the things that we're doing that we need to turn from or we need to get away from. And it's up to us in that time to have a response, to be obedient to what we know the Spirit is revealing to us. So the first thing is that God convicts us about the sin. The second thing that begins to happen as, 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 as they're walking in this sin is that we see that the land begins to have uh, be laid to waste, that the surrounding environment just continues to deteriorate around them. It's fruitfulness and... All of the, the, the blessings and everything that was, they were living under begins to sort of dissipate as they walk longer and longer in this sin. Even before they are convicted of it and realize that that's what's happening, it's occurring. And we can see here uh, in verse 4, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, What the chewing locust left and the swarming locust has eaten, what the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten, And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust, has eaten. So we see that the nation is basically under an attack of of locusts. And in the Bible, locusts are referred to as the devourers. And so they're eating up all of the fruit. They're eating up all of the crops. They're basically destroying everything of sustenance that the people are living off of day to day. It's continuing to deteriorate little by little as they're walking along in this sin and the other thing that's happening is that there is a drought that's occurring the land is drying up and things are beginning to die out we understand in verse 12 here it says the vine has dried up and the fig tree is withered the pomegranate tree the palm tree also and the apple tree all the trees of the field are withered so obviously Everybody knows, right, when a tree and a plant withers, it's because of lack of moisture and lack of water. And so it's drying up. Also in verse 20, it says the water brooks are dried up. So there's a drought that's occurring in the land, and the locusts are are devouring the land as well. And so the drought represents this lifting of The blessing of the reign of God. There's no rain, so there's no no, no, representing the the blessing over our life that we continue to walk under that provides that spiritual refreshment at all times through all seasons. So the, the locusts are devouring, just like the devourer begins to come in and eat away more and more at our lives. And eat away more and more things that, as we continue to walk in a pattern of sin in our life. And the blessing that we were once walking under that was providing an, air, an element of refreshment and continued spiritual growth is beginning to dry up more and more and more in our lives. And that's what happens whenever we're walking through things and, and, and we're allowing ourselves to, be, uh, to fall victim to the temptation of sin to where it, we're succumbing to that. And the enemy just continues to chip away at us more and more and more as we're, as we're walking forward in that. You know, I have not locked my keys in my vehicle in years, in years. But just in like the last two or three months, I've locked them in my car twice, which is really strange. <laughs> locked them in there twice. And both times I didn't have my spare on me, it was a very inconvenient time, and so I had to call AAA, you know, they come out. And the guy it was very interesting the way that he was able to get in the car. He had these little like wedges, and there were different sizes of, of wedges. He opens up his little pack, you know, and he's got a bunch of them right there. And so he takes the first one. it's a really, really small one, and he just kind of slips it in between the window and the and the you know the rubber sealer or whatever at the top where it meets. And he just gets in, in there just a little bit, and he kind of taps on it with his little rubber hammer, and it gets just a little bit of crack right there. And then he takes the next wedge that's just a little bit bigger, and he slides that one in alongside of the gap, in the gap alongside the one that he's already done, and he drives that in, and it goes just a little bit further, and it pulls the window down just a little bit more. And he proceeds to do this, about three or four times, until eventually there's enough gap where he can slip that little hook thing in there and reach down and grab the latch and open the door. And now he's gained access into my vehicle. And it's interesting how really in our lives, the way the enemy continues to work on us is very similar in that. The first time that he tempts us in a sin, that he he really brings us into a place, it's very subtle and very simple, and he gets just a little small wedge in there. And then the next time that he kind of continues to draw us back into that thing, because he's trying to form a pattern of that now in our lives, it's like just a little bit bigger of a wedge, and a little bigger and a little bigger. And the more we continue to do that, it seems like the more access that the enemy begins to have in our lives, and the more he, he begins to take control of or, or oppress more areas and what God is trying to do. It's like the the things that God is trying to do through us become increasingly more limited because we're allowing this thing of sin to get more and more control of us as we walk in a pattern of that. So the land was laid to waste. The next thing is that we begin to see that the blessings that are intended for us are being robbed. So the things that God is intending to bless us with all the wonderful things that he wants to do for us in our life, they're beginning to be robbed by this idea of walking in sin. And if you go to verse 8 in chapter 1, it says, Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. So this young woman who's basically just being married, her husband is, is, died, is has died. And so what he's saying is, is you should lament like this virgin because her husband has now died. And so she is the, the blessing of having children and having and to, to reproducing has now been robbed from her. This thing that God intended to do, this blessing that God intended to to shower her with and to do in her life has been taken from her. And that's what we see that that, that the prophet is is telling us is that there's blessings that God is wanting to give you, that when you're walking through a pattern of that kind of sin, that those blessings are being robbed from you because God is not able to continue to bring those things into your life if sin is standing in the way of that blessing uh, coming to fruition right? How many people know, right? God, isn't, God doesn't bless the things in our life that we're sinning willfully against him in. The fourth thing is that they begin to start mourning for the sin that they've committed against God. So now they're, they're seeing, okay, that, all right, we've, the land has been laid waste, the blessings have been robbed, you know, we're convicted of, of this error of our ways of sinning against God. And so now there's this mourning uh, for, for sinning against God that starts to set in. And that is, that is healthy for us to see that because that's that, that's that true heart of repentance that's, that's basically saying we're, we're sorry and we're sorrowful that we've done something that's against the will of God in our life and for what he's telling us to do. And in verse 13 and 14... In that same uh, first chapter, it says, "'Gird yourselves and lament, you priests, while you who minister before the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God, for the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the elders together and all the inhabitants of, ala- of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord.'" And so there's now this this mourning that starts to happen because we've realized, okay, God, I've been walking, I've been pursuing you. Now you've showed me these things that have been in my life, and now I'm beginning to see how if I don't, if I continue walking in them, that ble- I'm going to be robbed of blessings. There's going to things are going to start to dry up in my life. The spiritual growth that I'm searching and desiring is going to start to to slow down, and I'm not going to be able to break through and keep going. And then we begin to see all that, and God's convicted of us that that us of that and we we start to have this idea of mourning and this sorrowful uh, heart for for offending God and for sinning against him and the next thing that happens is that it says that the day of the Lord is near the day of the Lord is near and that is in verse uh, chapter 2 verse 1 it says blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. Now, the day of the Lord represents a time of judgment, where the sin is being dealt with, that God is doing something to eradicate this sin and to deal with this sin that's that's dwelling among his children, his people, and we know that... The, the idea of the day of the Lord, it talks about in the end times, but it also, scholars agree, that it also represents a near-term situation as well whenever the Bible talks about it. So in this particular case, it's saying the day of the Lord is at hand, it's near. Basically what Joel, is the prophet, is saying to the people is that, okay, you've reached this point. God has spoken to you. He's shown you that this is... You have to change this. You have to turn away from this sin. You have to turn to God. You have to deal with this thing. And if you don't, if you keep meddling in this, if you keep moving forward and you refuse to fully turn away from your error of your ways that you've been convicted on, and you don't turn directly to Him, then the day of the Lord is near. There's going to be judgment. There's going to be repercussions. There are going to be things that are not good for your soul. Hear me and plead to my call, or heed my call. I'm pleading with you that day of the Lord is coming. You don't have a lot of time to deal with this thing because now you've been shown that this thing is in your life and it has to go. Up until then, you may not have had the knowledge of that, right? But now you have the knowledge of that. The Bible says in Luke chapter 11, when it's talking about the profitable servant, it says that better is he uh, him who who knows what to do and doesn't do it it's worse for him than the one that doesn't know and still doesn't do it but both have consequences and they're suffering for both people but now you know now you've been shown and you have to respond to this you've been convicted of this by the holy spirit in our life today you've been shown that you have to respond because if you don't the day of the lord is at hand the 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 circumstances the suffering the the, the, the things that are going to keep you not necessarily all kinds of bad things falling in on you but just the idea that God's blessings and his fullness for your life and the things that he wants to bring to you are going to cease they're going to slow they're going to stop and you're not going to continue to move forward in this walk with God that he wants to continue to bring you along in we have to deal with this thing the day of the Lord is at hand when we realize the error of our ways so there's a call to repentance the response that we need to have is that repentance we're sorrowful we're mourning we know we've sinned against god we know there's things hey i want what god has for me man you know i want this full life i want to keep growing strong he shows you got to deal with it and so my next response is I, i i repent and when i repent this is what's huge. This is one of the things of, of this that God showed me that's so huge. When I repent, I have to totally turn away from the thing completely. I have to com- I can't just turn away from it a little bit. I have to totally turn away from that thing. and when I turn away from something, I'm turning to something, and so I have to totally turn away from that sin and that thing that God has now revealed to me. It's got to go. Is not a part of my life. It doesn't fit into the plan he has for me. Uh, it doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter how inconvenient it's probably going to be. I need to turn away from that thing, and I need to turn directly towards God, and I need to have that thing 180 degrees behind me, completely in, in my rearview mirror, never looking back. There is no rearview mirror. And I'm looking forward at God ahead and what he has for me. You know with Lot's wife, whenever God was raining down on Sodom and Gomorrah with fire, Sodom and Gomorrah represents the sin that the people were in, right? They had to leave, Lot was leaving. His wife, what did she do? She turned back. She turned back and she looked back at that sin and she fell to a pillar of salt. Look, it's, you're gonna be tempted when you realize you've gotta turn from something. You're gonna be tempted not to turn all the way and just keep a little bit of a view on that thing. And I'm telling you, I'm pleading with you, You can't afford to do that. You have to turn all the way. You have to throw yourself at the feet of God. You have to surrender yourself to him and allow him to give you the strength that you need so that you can continue to move forward and leave that thing in the past and never have to deal with that thing in a way where it has oppression or any kind of leg, foothold in your life again. You have to totally turn away from that and look forward. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain grace and mercy in our time time of knee I do not have the willpower or the self-discipline to walk out freedom from my sin. I cannot do it. But I do have the ability to throw myself at the feet of God and merciful God and say, I am a desperate man and you, Lord, are faithful to provide grace and mercy in my time of need. And so I am thrusting myself here at your throne and I'm saying, that thing is behind me. I'm turning fully away from it and I'm turning totally towards you. And God will be faithful to give you the strength that you need to continue to walk out that victory that you've just now won and you have to have that you cannot turn part way and have some sort of hand or some sort of view in that thing and once we've done that the restoration comes the restoration comes and it is a beautiful thing listen to all these things In verse 18, chapter 2, it says, then the Lord will be zealous for his land. I don't know about you, but it just makes me in awe of the fact that God would be zealous about my repentance, about my turning towards towards him and away from sin. He is zealous for that. That is unbelievable. The blessings begin to flow again. Verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in your Lord God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully. He will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain, in the first month. The restoration will happen immediately. Not in a delayed sense. Another beautiful thing about our supernatural God is we don't have to like gradually earn our way back to this place of righteousness. We don't have to kind of earn our way back into a place by making, okay, I'm going to resist the temptation four or five times and then I'm going to get more and more back into God's good graces. No, he immediately restores you back to a place of righteousness. When you've seen the error in your ways, you turn 180 degrees away from it, turn your heart towards him, and you repent, and you put yourself at the foot of God in his mercy, and he restores you back to a place of righteousness. And the blessings begin to flow again in your life, the blessings that had been cut off or that you had been robbed from because you have been walking in this thing that was defiling you and obstructing the plans that God had for your life. God deals with the enemy on our behalf. I'm not going to go through all these, but in verse 20, it talks about how he was moving the enemy back out of the land. That which was robbed from us is restored." Verse 25. I am going to read that one because this is powerful. "I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. What an amazing God we have. The thing that I was robbed of, it's not just that I'm back in good place with, I'm back in a position of righteousness to move forward, and I just missed out on something. It's restored to me that which was devoured from me by the enemy. If that doesn't make you feel like he's under your foot, I don't know what does. It's restored back to you anything and everything that he was devoured from you. And we are strengthened for what now lies ahead. The the weakness and the waning and the, the gradual oppressing down of our life, that the sin or whatever we're walking in is, is, is doing to us, that we begin to be strong and strengthened now for what lies ahead. In chapter 3, verse 10, it says, let the weak say that I am strong. But guess what's required next? Praise. Praise. Verse 26 in chapter 2, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of of the Lord your God. Praise is required of us. And quite frankly, I don't really know what other kind of response we could possibly have at something like that. How, how could that not make you want to just praise him and give him glory and say, thank you, Lord, that you are that good that you would take that situation and something that I had been doing and bring me back to that place, let the blessings flow again and strengthen me for what's ahead and restore anything that was robbed from me back to me in full. I don't know how I could do anything but praise him. But praise is required. We must give him the glory. And that dead weight of the sin that we've been involved in, that dead weight that's holding us back, is cut loose and cut off of us. And we begin to move forward now with a new level of veracity and force and thrust. And that ceiling, that impasse, that roadblock that was seemingly keeping us back is gone and we are moving full steam ahead into the fullness, into the plans, and into the things that God has for us unhindered and unaltered to move forward into a new day and a new thing and a new season and a new good and awesome work that God is going to do. That thing that held me back will hold me back no more. The ground it had in my life, it will never have again. And we begin to move forward under the blessing. But this last part is really where I want to close with. And it's in verse 14, chapter 3. And this is where I believe what God was really, why he wanted me to speak this. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Once you see it, once you've been shown, once the Holy Spirit has revealed to you what you've been searching for anyway, how to live for God, how to know what he wants for you, how to know what he has for you. It doesn't always involve impartation. Sometimes it involves purging. And once you see it, you begin to step into that place, that's the valley of decision. You could go either way. Will I stay in this thing? Will I let it have a crutch? Will I keep a wedge, will I allow a little wedge to stay there, or am I gonna turn from this thing? Am I gonna be done with this thing? I've been walking with God for about a year or two. <coughs> Hungry, zealous, desperate for God. And I came to this place where the the growth started to slow. The forward movement seemed like it just wasn't happening at the pace it once was. And I was very dissatisfied because I knew that something was wrong. And I began to just pray and plead with God to show me, help me. What do I need to do? And for a while I thought I needed to go do something new. I I needed something new, you know. I miss you something. There's some new truth, some new revelation I need to get. It's going to take me to that next place. And then it all hit me. The Holy Spirit showed me. See, when I was a young man, I was involved in drugs. And one of the drugs that got a hold of me pretty good was pot. And I smoked it every day for years and years. And another thing that got a hold of me was pornography at a very young age, I mean, I'm talking about, I started smoking pot when I was probably 13 or 14, exposed to pornography when I was like six or seven years old. And I just sort of took these things right on through my life. And quite honestly, I didn't realize how much they were affecting me when I first started walking with God. And I reached this point where it was like, God show me, if you're gonna move forward, you've got to turn away from these things. You've got to get rid of them. And I'm not proud to tell you that I meddled around for probably a year or two. And I'd start and I'd stop and I'd have some some willpower and I'd resist for a while, kind of go back to that thing. But I can tell you now, after seeing this clearly for what this is in, in the scriptures, that I had not fully turned away from that thing. I had not fully acknowledge that that this was defiling me and that the Lord had showed me through supernatural revelation through the Holy Spirit convicting me that this was not supposed to be in my life. It was defiling defiling the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I meddled around with with that thing and it it just kept getting more and more of a hold of me until finally it just hit me and I realized this was just gonna continue to be a downward slide and get worse and worse the more I willingly walked against God. And mercifully, he forgave me when I truly threw myself at the feet of Jesus. And I really repented for that thing. I mean, really repented for it. And I knew with a holy hatred that I wanted that thing gone. And I realized that all my attempts at self-discipline and willpower were of no avail, and I needed something supernatural, a supernatural remedy for that. And I broke through that thing. I got victory over those things. And I'm telling you, the ceiling that set in that I was desperate to see broken was immediately broken off my life. And I began to walk. And I began to walk forward at a new pace and just continue. This is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been missing. This is what I wanted back. And never again. I'm not going to allow. When I know, when God shows me, look, he's going to keep showing me things. I'm going to keep seeing things that need to be done away with in my life. Things I need to change. And I am not going to meddle in that stuff anymore. I am going to say, when I see, when God shows me that there's something that needs to go, I'm not going to mess around with it. Because once I know it, it's a whole lot different than before I've been convicted of it. It's bad altogether anytime. But once you know, Luke 12, once you know what to do and you don't do it, greater are the consequences.